Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 8th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in. And the days are rolling by quickly. And we're moving fast towards the big holiday season. Thanksgiving is less than three weeks away. Hope you have your plan set up and uh, hope your festivities are, are, are going to be great. And uh, whether we're in the holiday season or not, you have to continue to keep your eye on your goals, on creating the financial freedom that you deserve uh, and that you want and need. That's what we're all hoping for. What we're all trying to get is into a place where we can do what we want to do, not do what we have to do. But in the meantime, what you have to do is make good, sound money decisions at all times, whether that's savings, uh, whether that is investing, which we talk a lot about on the show. Whatever it is, it's about having good money habits and good investing habits. And I'm going to try to instill those in you as much as I possibly can. And it's not going to happen in a day or a week or a month or even a year. The journey to being successful financially is a long one, and it doesn't often happen overnight. So I'm here to give you some perspective and give you some facts, okay? And I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. And no matter what I'm speaking about, the markets as a whole, a particular asset class, uh, maybe a strategy... I'm here to present it all without bias and give you the facts as I see them in front of me and, my t- and using my 20-plus years of investment experience. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. And that means you can interact with us right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a message on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve and Justin. Curtis from Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, appreciate the podcast and every, uh, all the great information you provide, everybody. Uh, I'm looking at a stock, Louisiana Pacific, ticker symbol LPX, as a possible add to my portfolio. 
with continued quarterly increases in, in, in revenues and what seems to be a improved outlook for, for quarter four and going forward. Just want to know if where it's currently at, if it's a good buy going forward or if, if I've missed the boat and, and it's already seeming to, to continue to grow at its current location. So thanks. Look forward to hearing on the podcast. All right. This is Louisiana Pacific Corp. And they're basically a manufacturer of wood siding and wood products used in home construction. So this had a big boom when the demand for wood was very high and they could source it and produce it and, and extract some big margins. And that's why earnings in 2021 for the full year expect to be $13.03. That's drastically up from 2019 earnings, pre-pandemic earnings of only $0.36 cents a share. So this is really benefiting dramatically from the the pandemic and, and the uh, supply chain issues uh, and the demand for new homes. The problem here is that longer term, their business is not that great. Uh, from 2011 to 2015, their return on assets uh, margins were, were pretty poor. Only 2013 was the good year. Uh, all the other years were pretty flat to, to very strongly negative uh, when it come, came to earnings and, and profits. Now, 2016 to 18, that was a good time uh, overall. And then, like I said, 19, not so much. And, and uh, over the last 18 months, certainly, they've been rack, raking in uh, the the cash flow. Now, the good thing is they're uh, they're raising the dividend, like you said. They started paying that in 2018. Uh, and they're also buying back shares. In 2018, they had 144 million shares outstanding. Now they only have 103. So I like that. I like that they're um, allocating the capital well. Uh, my issue, though, is once again, they don't have really an economic moat. They're at the whims of the housing market. Now, I do think the housing market will stay relatively strong uh, unless there's some major shift in the government policy that will bring on a lot more supply. Uh, but I think they learned lessons about eight. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it, it, you know, I think there's going to be some outs, outside influence um, that would change the housing market dynamics. So I still think that there's going to be strong housing uh, demand, uh, especially new builds. And they'll benefit from that. But once again, longer term, their business is very, very up and down. Uh, and the chart has gone sideways since it peaked in May. So, and I don't love it longer term. Now, short term, I think there'll still be some nice tailwinds, um, but it's just not an exciting name because of the history of their business that uh, is so drastically cyclical. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Cryptocurrencies rally and Ethereum hits new all-time highs. Now, cryptocurrencies are known for their volatile swings. So moving up and down 20% is not uncommon uh, in a particular day. But what are the catalysts? So we're going to dig into that story a bit. Also, there's new legislation in the Build Back Better plan in regards to drug prices, Medicare prescription drug prices. How hard hitting is it? Well, companies are going to be hurt the most. Uh, and is it going to drastically change the industry? Also, natural gas. Natural gas is prices are going up 
export volumes are going up. And that means utilities and other large industrial companies that need natural gas are starting to stockpile uh, large amounts of it. So we're going to dig into that and what that could mean for various sectors. And then lastly, I want to discuss what the transition to a post-COVID world will look like for the economy. We're you know, going on two years into the pandemic. I would call it endemic right now. And trying to get back to normal. So what does that mean exactly? And what will the post-pandemic world really look like? Now we're moving into a quick break. Ethan from the Bay Area, hold on. You'll be next here on Invest Talk, 888 chart Do you have a trust or a will? You should. Whether you're young or older, without the proper instrument in place, your accumulated wealth is at risk if you become incapacitated or worse. Like many investors, you'll have questions about how best to create your will and trust. This Thursday, November 11th, Justin Klein will play a special will and trust expert interview segment on InvestTalk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your finance and investment questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Ethan in the Bay Area. He's looking at MFA Financial Incorporated. This is a mortgage REIT. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Um, um, I used to have 60000 this last two years. And uh, slowly, slowly, I um, sold half of it. Now I have like about... Um, 31,000 left. So I just have a question about it. Should I keep it? My average was um, about 90 cents when I get it. Um, should I keep the rest and collect the dividend or should I convert it to something else? Well, that's always hard uh, to give advice about seeing a full uh, picture of your portfolio. Um, but what I, what I can say about MFA Financial is uh, it's a mortgage REIT, and like most mortgage REITs, I'm not big fans of. They typically uh, issue more shares, dilute shareholders in order to maintain the dividend, uh, and until and, and that that's fine. This is a perfect example of that, where they were continuing to issue more and more shares as of 2000. Let's say they went from 341 million shares outstanding in 2011 to 2019 pre-pandemic to 468 million shares outstanding. And all all that time, they were paying out uh, a large dividend, and they even cut it from 2011 to 2014 from 98 cents to 80 cents, and then kept it flat until the pandemic. And then they cut it all the way to 13 cents. And they've moved it back up to 30 cents, but that's still drastically lower than the 80 80 cents it was pre-pandemic. So it just goes to show you that their allocation of capital is uh, long term is not sustainable, and that's not something that you want. And, and that uh, goes for the vast majority of these mortgage REITs. Uh, they, they can they can handle it and, and add more leverage and borrow more money and issue more stock uh, it, it, until something breaks, uh, like a pandemic, and then they have to make major changes and you lose uh, a big portion of the original capital. So pre-pandemic, this was trading at almost $8 a share. It fell all the way to less than 50 cents a share. And now it's worked its way back up to $4.57. But 
I, I don't think you'll ever get back to that that eight dollars because of that poor allocation of capital. Um, so I would abs- I would sell it uh, and move on and find a better opportunity and a better company that is allocating capital uh, correctly. And this is a perfect example. Don't chase yield. Even based on now, it's uh, eight 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 point eight percent yield, uh, and that sounds great. But we know that this is going to be uh, an unsustainable situation. So uh, apply this to all the mor- almost all the mortgage REITs out there. Let's go to James in Sonoma. Let's talk about bonds or preferred stocks. Yes, uh, my uh, IRA is uh, tremendously out of balance, as you can I'm sure you're facing in your accounts. Uh, so I want to limit it not to individual stocks, but not to individual bonds or preferred stocks. Just like make it apples to apples, ETF or bonds going in an IRA. Um, I've got bonds also. I've got ETFs. This is just trying to balance it a little bit more. Which would you pick and why? When you're saying ETFs, uh, are you talking about a preferred share oh, ETF? Preferred, preferred, yeah, preferred ETF uh, and a preferred bond. And a bond, yeah, uh, bond ETF. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I don't love bond fixed income assets within a particular with it in the etfs i rather own the bonds directly so if you can own bonds directly that's what i would recommend uh now preferred stocks can be okay what i don't like about the preferred stocks is that they're they're highly uh highly sensitive to higher interest rates the duration risk is typically a lot higher and obviously unless you're buying really, really long-term bonds. So that's number one. In an environment where inflation is likely to remain persistently high, where interest rates are likely to go higher to some degree rather than lower, um, I don't like that. And then also with bonds, you're near, at or near the top of the capital structure. With preferreds, you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, you're better than, than uh, the equities. But you're far down from the bond. Bondholders are going to get uh, in a bankruptcy. They're are a lot more protected than you, uh, the preferred sh- shareholder. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm going bonds uh, because of uh, those reasons. Thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, Vijit in Fremont. Wants to talk about VLTA. You own it or looking to buy it? Yeah, we, I own it. It's a company that... Uh makes uh, charging stations for electric cars. And I think that activity is going to go up, I think, all over the world, you know, especially okay. in the USA. Well, um, you know, this IPO'd back in, last year, and or actually, no, this is a SPAC, it looks like. The deal in February, it spiked up, um, and it's still, it's, it's been a downtrend overall. Um, what I, I don't like this business. Uh, I, I think... People are applying charging stations, and they're thinking it's going to be similar to a gas station. Guess what? You don't have a gas station in your home. What you do have are electric wall outlets where the vast majority of electric car owners charge their cars. Now, will there be places for this, for for, uh, charging electric vehicles outside your home? Sure. Uh, Apartment complexes, uh, businesses, things like that. Um, But it's a poor business overall. I would sell it and move on. Now, we're taking a break, and we'll wrap up uh, the answer next. Time is getting closer. The free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Investing in an Inflationary World, Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. It's free, but you have to register in advance. 
Go to investtalk.com, click on the register button. Now, Steve and Justin are taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Yeah, so I want to follow up on that last call about the EV charging uh, company, Volta. And I, re- I really want to – This uh, to me, this is a perfect example of people not understanding or not looking at uh, the quality of a business versus the growth of a business. Gro- just because a, a business is growing doesn't mean it's a quality business. Could be increasing demand for it, but is it economical demand? Is it scalable? Are the margins going to be there? Uh, and I just don't see it in this space. So uh, I would use the recent surge in the price um, as as a reason to or a, a, a time to start unloading. Um, and if you look at the price of the chart, it continues to make lower highs and lower lows. Another worrying trend as well. So I'm definitely selling Volta. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, cryptocurrencies rally and Ethereum hits new all-time highs. And this is in the midst of an upgrade to the Ethereum blockchain system called Altair, which went live uh, late last month. And uh, this is also in the midst of strong demand for NFTs that uh, are often built on the Ethereum blockchain, as well as Solana, Cardano, other ones as well. Uh, and there, there's a lot of cross-currents here. Obviously, people are parlaying their crypto gains into um, you know, other uh, cryptocurrencies, um, strong liquidity within the system, uh, which will likely remain for you know, the next couple of months maybe, um, definitely helps cryptocurrencies as a whole. Uh, and that's why you continue to see strength uh, as well as in in the equity markets. And so uh, the fact that Ethereum is now hitting uh, 4,700, I think it was the last time we saw it. Um, the fact that it's hitting all-time highs is a byproduct of that liquidity. Now, the big question here is when does liquidity finally ebb? And a lot of people say, well, the Fed's tapering and that will bring less liquidity. And that's certainly true, but there's still a lot of liquidity. You want to know what will bring less liquidity in earnest? Treasury issuance. Did you know that? Follow me here. Treasury wants to borrow money. What do you need to fund the treasury? To buy those treasury bonds. You need dollars. So when the treasury goes and issues debt in the form of treasuries, they're actually taking liquidity out of the system. Now, for most of this year, they've actually been doing the opposite. And it's the opposite, but they haven't been issuing much treasuries because they've been drawing down the treasury general account, which is the checkbook of the treasury. But now it's at a level that's pretty low and they're going to need to start issuing more treasuries relatively soon. 
especially if this, uh, these stimulus packages start to pass and more money starts to go out the door. And that will likely bring the treasury to the, to the market to borrow more money. And that's what you really need to watch is how much liquidity, how fast are the issuing treasuries and sopping up liquidity from the system. And I think you're actually going to feel it first in, the, in a market like uh, cryptocurrency typically hits the riskiest parts of the market first. And I'm watching for that as a leading indicator, actually, for a potential pullback in the equity markets as well. And so uh, you're going to get that next year at some point. We know that. Uh, it's just a matter of how, lo- how large it will be, what opportunities it brings, et cetera. But Ethereum or, uh, or uh, Bitcoin... Uh, those will likely be the canaries in the coal mine that they will probably pull back sooner. Now, that doesn't mean they can't continue. They could go up another 50% in the next uh, uh, couple of months. But that's what I'm definitely watching for. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. Uh Maestocrat says, I am looking at either taking a position uh, with Visa or Amex. Would love your perspective on the better, but for a long-term play and best entry point. Well, they're a bit different. Now, they both operate a credit card network, but American Express takes credit risk. Remember that. And that makes their business riskier. Uh, but in some ways, more profitable as well. And um, I actually worry a bit with the credit card processors because, well, we just are talking about today. Crypto, the Lightning Network. If that continues, you continue to see development there, the movement of money over uh, Visa or MasterCard or even American Express are, are going to certainly decline. Um, and I think that business is... Under, uh, while it has secular tailwinds, uh, I think it could have problems in the future. So I'm actually not going to recommend either. Now we're heading to a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members? or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. 
there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go to George in Washington State. He's looking at Western Midstream Partners. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. I'm, I kind of missed the train on getting exposure to natural gas, and I'm still looking for some possible deals, but I'm not sure if I'm right too late to the dance. Okay, so why are you picking this one over some of the other uh, midstream uh, companies that, that also transport natural gas? Uh, I just actually started plowing through them, and this one kind of looks a uh, little bit financially okay uh, with the girl that's kind of been behind behind other ones. So don't really have a greatest uh, analysis yet, actually, to be honest. Usually I do, but this time not. Okay. Well, you're probably what you're probably looking at is this looks to be one of the cheaper ones in the space, right? If you're looking at... Uh, yeah. From a P ratio perspective, for example, uh, it's going to trade a, a discount to some of the, the bigger names. Is is that what kind of you're looking at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we'll there's a couple. Of... What was that? No, no, that's okay. No. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First is growth. The growth uh, of earnings and, and, and revenues on this name are, are much weaker than some of the other names. Uh, and, and that's one reason to have it as a lower multiple another is the fact that it is not it is limited partnership 
So it's not a normal corporation, which means that the uh, dividends that you're receiving are not, uh, they're not qualified. So they're taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So, and within uh, an IRA or a 401k, it can become an issue. Okay. So you get a K1 and all that. So there, there's, there's more problems there. Um, you know, we own uh, a name similar to this, like I said, uh, in the natural gas gathering and process uh, market, uh, which is not a limited partnership that uh, has better long-term cash flows. So I, I would stick, I would pay up. That's all I would say. I'd pay up for the better growth, the better company, the qualified dividends, et cetera. Don't just go for the cheapest name. Uh, because oftentimes the cheapest is because they're not as well run, their assets aren't uh, as good, uh, and they're not going to capitalize on the the market uh, that we're currently in, which is very strong for natural gas. So don't be lulled into just the cheapest name. Also, you have to balance uh, value with the quality of the business and the quality of the assets that they own. And so uh, I would just look at some of the bigger, better run natural gas pipeline companies, uh, and I would fire on one because I do like uh, this area of the market right now. Thanks for the call, George. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's touch on a a part of the Build Back Better plan that's going through Congress right now, and there is a, a topic that is bipartisan, and that it that is negotiating prescription drug prices for Medicare. And there is part of this bill that addresses it. Now, the big question is how well does it address it? And what kind of impact will that have on the drug industry? Now, the agreement calls for penalties for drug companies that raise prices faster than the rate of inflation. So that's number one. And caps out-of-pocket costs for seniors at $2,000 annually. Now, this has thrown a bit of a wrench in the NASDAQ biotech index. So far this year, biotech's only up 10%, which is badly lagging the healthcare sector and the overall market. And you can see that in the chart. The IBB is below all the major moving averages and trending bearishly. Now, there's n- now a lot of people are going to say, well, this is really bad for the drug industry. Well, the first is they're only negotiating on the 10 most expensive drugs. 10. That's it. And there's no provision for Medicare to negotiate the price of new medications. So it's only looking backwards. Nor is there a provision to tie up drug prices to or tie drug prices to whatever foreign countries are paying. And it exempts small biotech companies from negotiating, negotiating with Medicare. So it's basically saying this is only for the big names and those big drugs. And if you're paying more than other countries, we don't care about that. And so it's pretty in in Paul in in Washington speak, it's watered down dramatically. And there's ways around it. So one thing is because of inflation penalties, it'll it'll incentivize companies for launching drugs at a higher price initially. To extract, because it doesn't matter uh, if you have a target for how much you want to extract from the market of this of a particular drug, whether that that has consistent, you know, large price increases over a long period of time, or it starts higher with lower price increases, you can effectively have the same net present value 
of that drug by just starting with the price higher today. So that's one way around this. And then you have carve-outs for small biotechs, right? Small biotechs can't or don't have to negotiate. Well, if you're a large drug company, what do you do? You just spin it off. Now it's now qualified as a small biotech company, not a large one, and it doesn't have to negotiate. So it's better to just start spinning off all these all these uh, drugs as one-off kind of businesses, and then they're exempt. So overall, this supposed bipartisan crackdown on the prescription drug market is extremely watered down and is unlikely to be very effective. So just be uh, just understand that and not a shock, you know, this is the, how the sausage is made in Washington and we know that there's a lot of lobbyists there uh, making sure that this has been watered down. Unfortunately, this is how Washington works. Now let's fit in another iTunes review question. Detroit Troy, I don't know how to say his last name, says, I have I had Yeti on my watch list. What might be a good buy point? Now, Yeti makes, and if you know this, but Yeti makes um, all types of uh, coolers uh, that are, I guess, stand tough weather, hot weather, um, uh, and they're very popular right now. Let's just say that. Revenue growth is up 45% year-over-year last quarter, earnings up 66% to an all-time high. Almost $3 a share expected of earnings next year. And it's a $105 stock at the close today, now down uh, $2.80. Uh, and, and it looks like it is – it looks like it's having at least a near-term top, say that. Now, what is a good buy point, point for this business that uh, – the big question is, does it really have a moat or is it just trendy right now? That's what worries me is that, yes, yet the Yeti brand is uh, kind of your top quality cooler and tumbler and all the things to keep your drinks and, and, and food and uh, cold. But will that really last longer term? I'm not sure. Now, if it does, I actually think it's cheap here. I just worry that that is that economic moat is not very durable. It's not really there. But the return on invested capital, the return on equity, are telling me it is. So, but the company is only about seven years old. But I've seen a lot of these fads, and that's what worries me the most: is that is this going to get going to go by the wayside in five years and and uh, be competed away by? You know, Igloo, maybe they're going to, they've already started to come out with um, similar type of products as Yeti. Uh, I think there's Arctic was as another kind of cheaper competitor. That's what worries me. Um, so that's why I, I just can't recommend it until it gets to a reasonable multiple. Right now, forward looking, you're talking about 30, 35 times. I would need this closer to 25 and then I would be interested in Yeti. Now we get questions 24-7 on the Talk Voice Bank line at 88.99 chart. So let's play one right now. Hello, uh, this is Luke from New York. I own a couple of regional bank stocks, but want to add to that sector through an ETF. I found IAT India 
Adam Telephone. It's iShares Trust U.S. Regional Banks ETF. Please let me know if now is the right time to buy as this sector has gained a lot of ground in the past few months. Thanks for all you guys do. I appreciate it. All right, looking at IAT, which is the iShares U.S. Regional Banks ETF. And this is a collection of regional banks, as you would expect. Uh, it's pretty heavily concentrated, though, in the top three. PNC is 13% of the portfolio. Truist is 12. U.S. Bancorp is 12. And, uh, you know, that's pretty strong, high concentration. Now, I like it, though. Um, I like regional banks. Uh, I think their their profits are going to be stronger, uh, less oversight by uh, regulators. And they're they're able to deploy capital in smaller projects. They're in higher rates of return, et cetera. Uh, and higher interest rates are, are certainly going to benefit them as well. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up. If you don't want to do a lot of deep research, you just want broad exposure to the regional bank sector as a whole, this is a good way to do it. Uh, the expense ratio, 0.4% is a little on the higher side for me for an ETF, uh, sector ETF. Um, I would probably try to look for something that is cheaper. Uh, I don't know one off off the top of my head, though. That's the issue. So I would just try to find a, a one that, like I said, is a little bit cheaper. But if this is uh, the only one out there, uh, I, I like it. Now, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial, where we have a client-centric approach to investing. What we do is we practice parallel investing. We means we invest right alongside our clients, and we give unbiased guidance both on and off air. And that's how we execute our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. We're here to not think like uh, the large investment banks out there. We're not uh, Morgan or uh, Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch, you know, uh, which if you're talking to one of those, you're probably talking to a salesman. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of them out there that uh, are, are more salesmen than advisors. You know, we're, we're true advisors. Uh, and so that's why we provide free portfolio review assessments via telephone or go to meetings. We do them ourselves, myself and Steve. So if you want to send us a message through investtalk.com, you can do that. Or call our KP Financial offices in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. could speak for a short period of time, and hopefully we can help. I'm sure we can. Now, we can swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for the next question. This That will be in one minute, so hang on. The inflation we are now experiencing in 2021 is disturbing and eerily reminiscent of what we went through in the 1970s. So, with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World. This important online event is hosted by InvestTalk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. At this InvestTalk Wealth webinar, you'll learn about the historical precedents for inflationary periods, how various asset classes perform in rising price environments, and the best opportunities for investment when interest rates rise. 
The InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is free, but you've got to register. Go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register. Hi, Steve. My question is about Rivian. It's an electric car maker. It's having an initial offering this week. Just wondering uh, what you would advise as far as if you would take a position or not or if you would wait a little while to see how the stock does first. Uh, I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you. All right. Well, I actually had a call about this today off air, and I'll give the same answer. Uh, most IPOs are overpriced, and uh, this one is exceptionally so because it is so hyped up. And it's in a very overhyped industry. Now, could it still, you know, hit big? Sure. Um, but, uh, and I, I think it has uh, some advantages over, over Tesla. Uh, it actually has better brand, um, I guess, optimism by consumers. Um, you know, more, more consumers like uh, the Rivian brand than, than, than Tesla. Um, so that's some positives. But, you know, we, we don't touch IPOs for a year. No. Short term, they are notoriously very unpredictable. You don't know who uh, is selling uh, in the in the uh, short term. How many people are just kind of buying it to dump it? Uh, how many long-term holders are there? Uh, and then after the six-month period, there's a lot of insiders that will uh, want to unload it. And so typically after a year, you get through uh, a lot of potential issues. Right where a lot of supply may be coming on market, uh, bad earnings reports, you get a bit, little bit of understanding of the trend of the business over a full year, uh, and you know how profitable they are, what leadership is like, etc. Uh, and that's why I'd, I'd wait. Um, but if you're just trying to trade it, you want to want it for a pop, sure, uh, that's certainly possible, especially for a very overhyped uh, IPO like this. But as a long-term investment, it's extremely hard to say. Um, until, you know, really about a year. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we, are, we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom, and our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. It's Art from Tucson looking at a small cap stock here. ArcBest Corp, A-R-C-B. It's run up a lot, I think, because it crushed earnings. But it looks like it still may be cheap, and it's in the supply chain business uh looking to buy it and hold it for a while and wondered what you thought about it thanks a lot bye all right this is arc best corporation arcb is the symbol they are in the logistics operations business and clearly with the supply chain issues that we're having and higher freight costs uh they're doing very well 
Earnings for 2020 were $3.23. That was up from $2.87 in 2019. This year, they're supposed to make $7.70 and $8.67 next year. So clearly, this is a time where they're, they're reaping big profits. Problem here is, will that last? Are we going to have the same supply issues that we have, to, that we have today a year from now, two years from now? Three years from now? Because you said, I'm going to hold it long ter- for long term. Well, this is a pretty low margin, poor business. Frankly, current net margins are 4%. Pre-pandemic, 2019, they were 1.34. 2018, they were 2.17. 2017, they were 2.1. Uh, 2016, 0.7%. So they're now double what... They've averaged more than double what they've averaged over the the decade pre-pandemic. There's, I have two words here, mean reversion. And that's likely the case. So this is pricing in big, big earnings. Well, it's again, $8.67 next year. And based on that, I mean, it's still not super cheap. Cheapish. But that's unlikely to be sustained. You're going to have a reversion to the mean. But even before the pandemic, their business was not booming. In fact, March of 2020, revenues were, up, revenues were down 1% year over year. So remember, you have to look at the entire cycle of a business. Don't just look at what earnings are today. And you have to consider whether or not the factors are long-lasting or short-lived. That's driving those earnings. And in this environment with, you know, kind of an unprecedented environment, there's a lot of companies that are earning a lot more or a lot less than they would otherwise. And they'll revert to the mean, most likely. So I hope that gave you some perspective, all of you, on how to look at a business. Don't just look at a snapshot today. Understand what type of economic moat and uh, profits it can extract from its industry over a long period of time, not just over the next quarter or two, especially if you're looking longer term. Like you said, I'm looking for a long-term investment. Well, that's this is not the name uh, for something like that. 8899 chart, 8892 Let's close up with natural gas. Now, American utilities are facing the highest natural gas prices in years, and they're actually stocking up for the winter. And the main reason is exports of natural gas are at an all-time high. Now, the price of uh, U.S. Henry Hub, uh, one, sorry, one British thermal unit, 1 million uh, British thermal units uh, were $5.51. That was up from $3 per million British thermal unit a year ago. And if you look at what's happening is the export market is ramping up dramatically. And exporting, uh, the U.S. is exporting the largest share of its natural gas than it ever has. And shale producers aren't ramping up production. U.S. gas exports via pipelines and tankers 
we're equivalent to about 19 to 21% of output for each of the months from uh, November to August. Remember last year to August this year. The exports hit a record 19.2 billion cubic feet in Mar- a day in March. That's up 71% from the start of the pandemic and 17% from pre-pandemic levels. And that's really the, 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 a big reason. Uh, the demand overseas remains very, very strong. Prices remain very, very high. And the incentive to export natural gas remains very high. And our capacity continues to go up. So that's really the driver here. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our Invest Talk podcast now with over 35 million downloads. They can find it for free anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.